Welcome to Hearthside Salons. I'm Heidi Hornbacher of Pagecraft Writing. Each week we bring you conversations with creators and innovators to feed your creative fire. It's nearly election day in America. Many of us feel frustrated, powerless, worried for what the future might hold. One of the places I've found inspiration is in the past. Today, we look back at a hero for voting rights in America. Inez Milholland is an exceptional figure in her stand against Woodrow Wilson for women's suffrage. She was a lawyer, an organizer, a member of the NAACP, and she died for what she believed in, that women should be allowed to vote. Like voting, storytelling is another way we use our voices. Today, I speak with filmmaker Martha Wheelock, who tells Inez's story in a documentary short and filmmakers Amy Wheeler and Jessica Graham, who tell her story in a narrative short. We dive right in with Martha on the 19th Amendment ratification flag in her office. And a note for listeners, this conversation does contain talk of violence, death, and sexuality. And what's behind me is, you probably know this, is the ratification flag, the, um, the flag that Alice Paul made as each state came through with ratification, she would hand stitch the stars on it. So it has 36 stars and uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's a kind of a, you know, our suffrage uh, American flag. <laughs> That's so cool. Oh, very cool. Oh, and your tea towel looks great, Amy. I've got oh, it there. Martha yeah. gave me this fabulous thing. Oh, that's amazing. I totally, I collect tea towels, actually. That's, yeah. that is really that's cool. That's a, that's a company, if you want to have a real trip, it's called the Radical Tea Towel Company. And they're actually English, but they're, they have an auxiliary branch in like Pennsylvania or something where they make these and send them out. And there's a real history story behind every tea towel. All right. Well, welcome to tonight's Hearthside Salon. I am really, really just so honored and proud to have some incredible filmmakers with us. We've got Amy Walker, writer, director, or sorry, writer, producer, and star, and Jessica Graham, director of uh, the short film on Inez Milholland. And Martha Wheelock, director of the documentary about Inez, right? Yeah. So I'm very excited to have you guys here, given that, um, I don't know, it's like we're going through some stuff right now. And it's kind of an important time in our history right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And voting day is right around the corner. Um, Martha has some incredible bling on here with her suffrage pins. I have my, my votes for women pin and my, oh, my votes for women necklace. Oh yeah. Uh, my suffrage, <laughs> my suffragette white, which I thought was really interesting when I reached out to you guys first to do this, I did not realize that suffragette and suffragist were two mm-hmm. separate things. Yeah. Mm. Can, would one of you like to share about that a little bit? Well, the, the, the suffragettes, is the term that the British used about the uh, that the used about the British, and yes. the British were much more violent than the Americans, uh, and then uh, they they the British kind of adopted it um, themselves as a proud you know kind of like you you call me a badass okay I'll be a bad you know that kind yeah. of thing so they adopted it with pride, but once once we we had to label ourselves here. We didn't want to use the same term because we didn't want to be associated with the violence with their uh, their kind of platform. Um, Inez Milholland never minded being called a suffragette. 
she she had she and Alice Paul had met the uh, the suffrage uh, leaders in in England, so they were kind of proud of that. So occasionally uh, she would even call herself that. It's like calling like uh, you know a uh, 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 co-opting the bad term yes, as a say, sign of dignity. You know, it's reclaiming so, it. Yes, right. But I think basically we we kind of like to stick to calling ourselves in America as suffragists. Um, because nobody needs to have that whole explanation. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was interesting historical. Gender, you know, it's it's not non-gender specific. So, that is a good yeah. point. That is a really good point. And and the other thing about about E T T E is that it's it's a sexist term because yeah. you have a kitchenette, which means a smaller this, right. and you have a marionette, and you have an usherette, and it's not just feminizing it; it's diminutizing it too. Mm. You know, it's making it less than. Yeah. Uh, the, the uh, the person so Amy it's non it's non gender yeah I hadn't thought of that that's absolutely right there's a little pat on the head about it to add yeah the right at the end right 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 well I'd like to know from from all of you how did you first hear about Inez Milholland how how did you become familiar with her story should we go chronologically that'd probably be you first sure <laughs> <laughs> Well, as the as the crone of the group here, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I met Inez years ago when I in, when I made my first film on the suffrage movement, which was for the 75th anniversary of women getting right to vote in 1995, and I needed to I, I she was part of that and part of the uh, the work that I did on that film. It's a film called Votes for Women. And it's uh, it's uh, Suffrage 101, and it's kind of a, a good wrap-up. And at that time, I met a wonderful man named Bob Cooney. I needed some pictures for my film. He made a book, uh, was doing research on a book called uh, Winning the Vote, which is a great anthem and collection of uh, black and white photographs, as well as texts and documents. So I called him. I said, "You know what? I need some. I need some pictures. Let's let's work together." Because I was part of the National Women's History Alliance, which is at that point called the Project. And so he and I just bonded, and we we got these great images together. And that's uh, I I've, at that point I fell in love with Inez because because of like the image behind Amy mm. and the just the whole image of who she is and and what she did. And I wasn't as wrapped up in the fact that she was a suffrage martyr at that point. I was just kind of, um, you know, excited by her presence that she took, she took on the mantle of the new woman. She took on a whole new dignity, uh, you know, the, the role of the beauty uh, and the dramatic queen. And uh, so that's kind of how I got involved with her. So that's, I've, I've been a 25 year old devotee of Inez. Amazing. And, and then, I, and then this wonderful woman named Amy Walker came into our lives. <laughs> Go ahead, Amy. Yes. And I, I will say that the image of Inez all, on, all in white with her white cape on her white horse yeah. is stunning. Yeah. Isn't it? It's a, yeah. Like, it's like, that is what a hero looks like. You know, she, just... she, she said, I wanted to create a spectacle. That's what Alice Paul said. Now, Inez, you get, there yay. she is. You you get all dolled up, Inez, because we need to uh, we need to attract the men here. We need to make sure we, we people notice us. And there's a piece in my film which I always love of how she just rammed right through the crowd so that yes. the march could continue. She didn't care. She just went right through it. So and uh, you know, a real cowgirl. <laughs> so, so so Amy, then how did you how did you find out about Inez? Well, thanks to the National Women's History Alliance. Uh, I, I think it was 
gosh, we, did we determine it was about five years ago, four years ago? Yeah, five years ago. Uh -huh. Five years ago. Um, I was new to LA and somehow I saw a little article about this event somewhere in some publication I picked up from uh -huh. somewhere. And, um, and Bob Cooney was giving a presentation about Inez and I'd never heard of her. And here's a woman who literally used up her life in 30 years so that I could vote and so mm -hmm. that we could vote. And, and, you know, we're talking about diminutive phrases. And to me, women's history, as if it doesn't have anything to do, as if it's not our, everyone's history, is just a strange term. It's important because we need to be able to say, like, you know, to look at it specifically. But um, I was just so stunned and enamored at her whole life. And the suffrage was one part of her life. She was also a lawyer. She was also a peace act, one of the first women lawyers. She was also a peace activist in World War One, in, you know, in Italy, for heaven's sakes, being a, a correspondent. She was working Amazing. to get, uh, you know, labor rights and um, get people off death row and so many causes at once. And, and she was sexy. Mm. Yeah. And she was sexually liberated, you know, she was somebody who, um, I mean, you know, pushing, really pushing the bounds. She and her husband had an open marriage and they were redefining marriage to be something that they created together. And well, and I loved in Martha's, in Martha's documentary that she, she proposed yeah. to mm -hmm. him. I'm like, yeah. that's at that time, like, that's amazing. And yeah. I think she proposed like three times, didn't she? Could, could be, yeah. She, I can't remember. It was on a ship. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. on a ship. Yeah, it was on a ship. At the time they reached London. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Um, so I think, you know, her life is so relevant because it, yeah. if she lived it now, 100 years later, it would still be radical. Yeah. She would she would fit right in with so much of the celebrity culture, being an influencer, and a, you know, like she would fit right in. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So Jessica, what about you? So uh, Amy and I had worked together twice before. Um, uh, uh, I had cast her in a short that I directed called Listen, which is a, a domestic violence PSA. Mm -hmm. And then she had invited me to direct her pilot for a show called Group Ease with the YouTube comedy, Women in Comedy Initiative. Oh, cool. And so I already loved Amy because to know Amy is to love Amy. Yeah. And um <laughs> So pretty much I, I got an email um, and it was a full body yes instantly. Like it was just like, like I mean, before I knew anything about it, I was like, yes, yes, okay. Um, but then, then I dove into Inez and I, I had been familiar with the image of her on the horse, but that was it. I didn't, I, I wouldn't have known her name by mm -hmm. looking at that image, right. but I knew right. the image. Um, and so I dove into that biography that Amy was just holding up and, um, wow, I couldn't put it down. Now mm. I read, I love reading, but I'm not necessarily like get excited about a biography person. I, I want to be like, I want to be that person, <laughs> but I'm not. Um, but this one I was, I couldn't put it down and it's, I wish I had it. I don't have it in the room with me, but it's just dog-eared and it's highlighted and there's notes mm. all over it. And um, I just totally fell in love with this woman. And I was like, oh, Amy didn't just ask me because she's worked with me before and she likes me. She asked me for a specific reason, which is that like, 
you know, Inez was, as she said, all these things, including an actress. And I live that way. I'm a lot of things. You know, I don't mm-hmm. just do one thing. I'm a meditation teacher. I'm an author. I'm a sex and relationship coach. I'm an actress. I'm a director. I'm a, you know, I do a lot of things. I'm a nude mm-hmm. model. <laughs> like I do a lot of things. And I love when that's modeled. I love when women model being all the things. Um, I also deal with chronic illness, like mm-hmm. Inez did. I also spent a lot of years pushing myself, pushing mm-hmm. myself for things that I felt were important and that I believed in at the cost of my health. And luckily I was able to learn um, to slow down. And I, I also wasn't in a position where I had to fight the way that she did. I'm mm. privileged in, in many ways, you know, I can vote. Um, but I really related to that. And then I related to her sexuality too. I've always been very, very, very open about my sexuality, about being uh, bisexual, about being non-monogamous. And I've put just had no problem pushing that envelope. And so again, I'm inspired I'm mm. so inspired reading stories of of um, of other women that are willing to do that, and she has a she has a, a dark side too. You know, she she was not a saint, and she dealt with depression and anxiety. I also relate to that, yeah. and so it made a lot of sense, and it really excited me to be able to support Amy and the rest of our amazing team in telling this story. That is so cool. She is, it's so relatable on so many levels and so many facets, like you're saying. And I love that like Amy brought it to you because it's like, well, you actually need this also. <laughs> I, it's a mutual thing. I, I feel like roles and projects, they find mm-hmm. us because they have something to give us and we have something to give them. Yeah. And that there's an alchemy there and that we're then able to present that to an audience and mm-hmm. let them have their own personal alchemy. Uh, it's just always enriching. Well, I was going to start by saying, Martha, your film, um, California Women Win the Vote, is mm-hmm. that, did I that right? Was the centerpiece of that, that celebration in, tw- in 2011. Yeah. So with the National Women's History Project. So what was that like to have that be the centerpiece? And it's interesting, we come back because Inez dies here in Los Angeles, and it was the 1911 campaign where this, where California was the sixth state to win their, their right to vote. We voted here in California in the 1912 presidential election. So we were, we were way ahead of the, of the curve out here. And uh, we still it, are. It, yeah. And, and at the time in 1911, the fact is that California was the largest democracy in the world where women could vote. Wow. New Zealand had won the vote before that, but we had more people here, um, more women here in, in California in 1911 than they did in New Zealand. Uh, so we wow. really had in, the, in that one little pocket of, of, the, of time, we were the largest democracy in the world where women could vote. And, uh, you know, hats off to us. And we, we started the, uh, the training of the rest of the country as to how to do it, the tactics. The, we had the very first suffrage march here in California. We, we made the very first beautiful poster that was used in all the campaigns for the next nine years. I mean, it was just awesome what happened here. And the stories are, 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 are wonderful, but we won't go into any more about California, but it's, that's why Inez was out here. She was out here because the states in the West had already given their women the right to vote. Now, Wyoming gave it to, to them in 18, uh, 
1869 because they wanted women to come out because they didn't have any women to you know, mate with or anything. Uh, uh, Utah wanted to give women the vote because they were having trouble with the Mormons and they weren't given statehood. Um, and and they, they were all kind of grat gratuitous uh, invitations ah. for the women to come out here. And boy, when the women came out here, they, they, had a, they were really uh, politically active. Some of the very first offices in uh, government were held out here. So that's why she was out here. And she went through 11, all 11 states where women could vote in 1916 to, uh, to deliver, deliver the message. There were a couple of other people who were doing it as well, but she was yeah. really the prominent one. Which I found that fascinating because I didn't, first of all, shame on me. I didn't realize that that's how, that, that we had the right to vote out in certain states before other states. I didn't uh -huh. realize that. So that was fascinating. And that that was her strategy was because Wilson was such a racist and mm -hmm. anti, you know, a misogynist and all the rest that she was like, well, we're going to, we're going to get people to overthrow him. We're going to yeah. vote him out. That, I mean, that makes, yeah. makes we so much sense. We still do. We still I was going to say, remind you of anyone? A hundred <laughs> yeah, years right. ago. I know. How right. far we've come. Right? Yeah. Right. Well, that, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you was, do you see a shift from then to now? And I mean, it seems to me the answer is sadly no. I would have said yes. Uh, I mean, in some ways, in some ways. Um, it's astonishing how we just keep coming right back to this. Here we are. We're trying to get it's, the It's called out. hold, hold the, the, the party uh, for, in, in power for the policies that exist. And if we we're doing the exact same thing, it's the only way you ever get anywhere is to is to try to at least make some inroads into the higher places. I mean, we could do it in the streets, but unless it unless it spills over into the 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 the, the party in power to either be defeated or to change, uh, that's what's going to happen. I definitely think of healing as a as a spiral when I think of it as individual healing, right? Like we, mm -hmm. we, let's say there's a trauma or multiple traumas um, and you're on this healing path and you're doing the work. And when you first come back around to it, after you thought you've healed, it can be like, no, I thought I got past this. Mm -hmm. But what you start to see is that you just, you're, you're getting deeper in, you're getting mm. deeper in, which the healing's happening. And I think that happens on a micro and macro. So mm -hmm. as much as, you know, my heart is broken about recent news. Um, I also, um, you know, I, I see that we're just at that part of the spiral. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of looking at it. And that's why it's a powerful time to make this, you know, make these films and yeah. bring them to the fore because um, all the things that they were grappling with then uh, so beautifully with all their hearts and, and souls and minds and might uh, we can learn from mm -hmm. because we're not starting from ground zero and we do have incredible people to, to look up to and gain inspiration from and we're not alone here and as Jessica said it's just another layer yeah and, and it made me feel really heartened to realize there have always been powerful smart strong women leading the charge mm -hmm. yes you know and, and connecting to those roots gives us that strength yeah which is why it's so important to tell the stories. Yes. So I watched both of your films and then I thought, I was very inspired. And then I got angry because I was like, why 
have I never heard of this woman before I met you guys? Like, why have I not heard of her? Why is she not, you know, as important as Kennedy and Martin Luther King Jr. And, you know, like all these, and then I'm like, well, the common denominator is mm-hmm. they all have penises. <laughs> right, right. And, and clearly Martin Luther King and Gandhi uh, when we go back to the source of non-violent uh, direct action, learned it from Alice Paul, learned it from the suffragists, but they will never admit it. Mm. And uh, a, a great story of Alice Paul and Gandhi is that they both were in the same classroom uh, with Mrs. Pankhurst in England in 1911. And uh, Mrs. Pankhurst started talking, this was in England, Mrs. Pankhurst mm-hmm. was the leader of the, the women's suffrage movement over there. Uh, that's the button she, that I have here. Oh, that's the one you have. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> she was awesome. She was a, you know, she was a badass for sure. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so they were both of those class and, and Pankhurst said, well, you know what? We're not getting anywhere with talk. We have to start breaking windows and we have to put, uh, you know, light uh, mailboxes on fire. Uh, and up until that point, Alice Paul had already been to jail and, and had been force fed in England. And so this was kind of like the next stage that they were gonna do violence. And Alice got up and said, I cannot abide by this. I'm leaving, I'm going, I'm back to America. Wow. We are going to have a nonviolent direct action uh, campaign. And, and then Gandhi went off, but, it was, but Alice started her work way before he did. Hmm. And it's a lovely connection, but we hear of Gandhi and Martin Luther King, but we don't hear of Alice Paul and the suffragists. No. So. We sure don't. There's my little horn. I'm tooting for the suffragists. I love it. The first to pick it, right? The first to the first to pick it. The first to march down Pennsylvania Avenue in 1913. The first to pick it. The first to be arrested and jailed as political prisoners, but they were never acknowledged as political prisoners. Well, so that's the next thing I wanted to ask you: is the 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 mar- her martyrdom inspiring the picketers that led to yeah. 17 months? of picketing and public outrage, which finally did lead to the 19th Amendment being passed. Right. So that, that's extraordinary to me. And, and it's, so, it's so simple that they were like, we're just going to stand here because this, yeah. is, this is some BS and we're just going to yeah. stand here until you cannot ignore us. Right. right. And, and the fact that they got arrested and beaten and force fed and all of it. And that's part, that's part of why nonviolent direct action is so powerful because yeah. you've done nothing wrong and yet you're accused of every wrongdoing uh, and made up Trump, trumped up tra- cha- charges and, and, and whatnot. Uh, can I give one quote from the doctor in the Okaquan workhouse who watched them being force fed? Hmm. And he said, I had no idea that women in America would go to such extremes for their liberty. And that was the doctor who watched these women being force fed and, and said, said that. And, and, and that's, that spectacle really made a difference. Yeah. Maybe some of us are, are, old, uh, are um, old enough to remember when Buddhist monks would light themselves on fire, mm-hmm. one in, even in front of the White House. And I never forgot that, you know, that the martyrdom is very powerful. We don't want to have to do it, but it's very, very powerful. It always surprises me how surprised the people in power are to learn that the people, the disenfranchised, don't like it and will yeah. go to lengths to get power. You know, right. it's like, well, 
what, what did you think was going to happen? One of the most beautiful moments, I think, in, in our bring to light is uh, when the actor, Travis Joe Dixon, who plays the doctor, the doctor. Um, takes in who Inez really is. Yeah. You know, and yes. what she's really willing to do, and maybe even why. Um, it's just this, he just gives such a beautiful performance. And I know while we were editing, we just like, we'd always just be like, oh my God, like this moment, is it worth dying for? And then to just, to, to see him take like truth of this is really, it's a really powerful moment for me. Right. Yeah. Every time, every time I see that, he just totally nailed it, it, yeah. exactly what we were going right. for. Mm-hmm. And with that character, it was really important to, to me to show um, that here's a man who loves women. He's got three daughters at home, yeah. he's got a wife, and he's doing his best to care for the women that he loves. Mm-hmm. who, to his viewpoint, are stepping outside of, of how they were created by God and how they were mm-hmm. intended to be and, and pushing mm-hmm. themselves beyond what they were made to do. And here she is, sick, proving that point, mm-hmm. dying in front well, of him. And her quote about um, the fact that she was, it, we're not human. We're, like, you look at us like we're not human. Mm-hmm. It's a, you have a line that you say. Yeah, yeah, that we we uh, were considered beings. property. Yeah, so long. And we're not human beings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then don't... eventually a special class of non-voting citizens. Strong women or women who have a real sense of self and sense of purpose actually surprise men. They, mm. they surprise because we we don't do it in the same way. We have that kind of inner inner essence that becomes outward. But uh, it's it's like that what the doctor says in Okokwan about how he, he didn't he couldn't believe that women would do that much, you know. And we have so many examples today of of the the the, the, the victors of uh, who are able to make it through this um, you know the, the, this epidemic with being and being teachers and mothers and and caretakers and nurses and everything all in one p- package, and they can do it, you know. Mm-hmm. One one thing I wanted to ask you guys about is the, um, the the concept of the suffrage beauty that she really like the papers kept referring to her beauty and like and that, you know, she just this was like, well, I'm running with this. Yeah. Like what what do you think about that and how would that, that be handled today? Do you think? Yeah, it, it's a that's a really interesting one because um, she knew that that was part of why she was getting coverage, so she Mm. knew to leverage it, but she made sure that she was always whip smart and articulate and witty, and that the content of what she was saying was also written about Mm -hmm. is is amazing, especially for that time. Um, And it's, uh, but she knew that, that that package was part of her power too. Mm. Mm-hmm. And and she loved it. She loved mm-hmm. flirting. Yeah. You know, it was like anything that's going to get you engaged was fair mm-hmm. play, mm-hmm. fair game. Mm-hmm. And it was part of her feminine strength. Mm-hmm. That feminine strength is different from masculine strength. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I mean, not that there's a binary here, but that we can be strong in our own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. But it also, I think, um, niggled, you know, to... Yeah to also be written off, which must have happened a hundred times a day mm-hmm. that people would yeah. just, you know, not think she was that smart or be surprised or she never was able to be self-supporting through her work. 
even mm-hmm. though she was so brilliant and worked very hard. Um, but she did not have the same rights and ability to to build a strong law practice as a woman. Yeah, I was really surprised uh, to learn she had was a lawyer and that that you know she got her degree through NYU because Harvard wouldn't let a woman in. <laughs> which is um, I'm actually I have a client who's doing a, a biopic on uh, Sylvia Beach, and oh. and she couldn't get into Princeton because she was a woman. So she went to Paris mm. and opened mm. Shakespeare and Company. Wow. But, you know, it's mm. just like, wow, universities, really? Like you're you're missing out on all this brilliance and all this intellect and all this creative power. Yeah. And it just is astonishing to me that it took them that long to come around. But so I wanted to ask then how, in the context of filmmaking, how did you guys all connect? Because Martha, I thought you had done your film long before, but then I was watching it and I was like, that's Amy's voice. That's and then I watched it and I'm like, wait a minute. So <laughs> tell me how you how you all con- connected with each other and the fact that you're n- nearly have the same title for your project. Yes, well, yeah. it's such a great quote. It's from yeah. this quote of Inez's, um, forward out of darkness, leave behind the night, forward out of error, forward into light. Yeah. And my title, Into Light, was a nod to that and to, to Martha. Oh, um, to Inez, yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. to Inez and yeah, to yeah. Martha's film, because I um, was so grateful that from the beginning, I, uh, from that first event, I wanted to make a, a film um, about her, and I knew that it would be good to start with a short, mm-hmm. because, um, one, then it, you can do it really well for less money, yeah. but it can look like a million bucks. Um, and then because it's shareable and can go around and inspire Mm -hmm. people to vote. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that was also why we wanted to do it and do it this year. Martha, I I connected to early on and you've been so supportive in this process. And then I was grateful to. Yeah. Well, yeah, we met, we met each other at that same event where you met Bob Cooney. And he reminded me when I was looking for, uh, the right voice for that character in, in the film, um, because that's, you know, there's a lot to, unless you're really good to do reenactments in a documentary film, it's very tricky and it's so expensive tricky. and it's, and, and it's most of the times it looks, it looks really out of yeah. joint. Yeah. But I think the, I think that the device of using the voice of using um, the, the aliveness of what a good voice brings to static black and white photographs or stock, mm-hmm. even stock footage is, is really good. Um, and I'm not, not that I'm copying Ken Burns, but, but, but in a way that's what, that's how he made his great, his great that's films. Right. Was the, and there, there isn't a, there weren't a lot of pictures. There's one picture of Inez, a good picture that, that has high res of her standing on the side with her Liberty Gage hat on that's in from my Wyoming or Nevada or someplace, but there weren't anything else other than newspaper clippings. And mm. they're such bad. They're so, so bad the pictures. Yeah. So uh, it, the, the voice makes it come alive. And, and, and it's a great part of that speech. It's the actual speech of, uh, of Inez that, that Amy later does in into light. So, uh, and I had uh, done it in my one woman show around. Oh yeah. Right. World, and I filmed it. And then I'd, um, sent a, a link of that to Martha and Bob. Mm. So that, that kind of kept the fires burning. And I think I performed it a, 
West Hollywood. West Hollywood at the premiere, yeah. Four years and, ago. And she actually fell on the stage, did a beautiful... <laughs> did a beautiful <laughs> I could hear I could hear the gasps in the audience. And, <gasps> and then Amy just crumbled like a wilted red, white rose. Yeah. <laughs> and then Martha's in our film. She yeah, was, I was going to say, right. like, yeah, she, Martha, Martha was amazing. And not only, not only, you know, as a consultant, and I feel like you brought some props and all the sashes and hats (laughs) and then she also um gave a talk to our extras we had like 33 extras and um martha spoke to all of them and gave them the background and just got them connected to to Mm. what we were doing and why we were doing it and then um she just looks beautiful on in, in the film and is such an important part of telling the story and so yeah um and it's just an an amazing human what a gift well it was fun being there but also the another great connection was that i was one of the captains of the creation of the rose parade float uh in january 1st 2020 and we had 100 women outwalkers in, all dressed in white with sashes as part of this great float. It was awesome. It won all sorts of awards. Anyway, I, so when they, when they needed extras, there must have been at least 10 or 12 of those women who came in and, and, and became men. in the film. And some men, too, their husbands or what, yeah. They came in and were part of the, the, the extra thing because they were all riled up. I mean, when you've marched five or six miles as a suffragist and, uh, in the Rose Parade, I mean, there, there's no turning back, man. You do anything for, to keep that energy going, you know? Yeah, so. and they have all their regalia on. So yeah, they the, came in full wardrobe. Oh, yeah, with their, yeah, yeah, they were perfect. Amazing. <laughs> so well, it, was, it was a lovely connection, all, all of us, right? So cool. Mm-hmm. Well, Amy, what was it like to play her? Like what, what did you really, what, what were you, what did you dig for when you played her? Mm. You know, I had to make space for that because I was also producing. (laughs) So I think the first trick was just making sure I had an amazing team who could hold that rim for me so that I could dive deep. And like Jessica, I had, you know, um, highlights and I had huge boards with notes and things and I was going back to that and uh and I was looking for recordings because I I I do loads of accents and I like to sort of hear references and get into what you know what the sounds were of the times and so playing around with that but I also love to meditate and and especially for people who were alive um to, to just connect with her. I needed to do that before I could even write. I needed to ask mm. permission and, um, and feel like, like I was somebody who she w- was accepted to, to tell her story in this way. And there were times in writing it where I thought, gosh, she's so, or reading what, how incredibly audacious she was way before me when I was super shy uh, and thinking, oh my gosh, can I even fill her Mm. she's so so huge her her spirit was just overflowing all the time um but I like Jessica was saying um I too have a lot of parallels of that really outward and then really needing that inward time and um so I connected on a lot of levels and then on the day um we had Martha talk with the extras 
and I made sure that I I didn't let them see me until mm. I had come out. <laughs> and I had this That's moment right, where yeah. I was backstage and I thought, oh my God, my producer has never seen me do this. My Our incredible producer, Martin Meloul, who had been just going on faith for months and months and pouring everything she had into this production. I thought, she's never seen me. I hope the the, the extras care at all. Mm. And I came out. And I just opened up into that first take and Jessica and all her wisdom said, why don't you just go through the whole thing? Yeah. So I came out, got to do the whole thing and they were right with me mm. and it felt so good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause we should say that the, the short basically covers this, this, the final speech that she gives. So it's the leading up to going out on the stage, fainting on stage because she's very unwell. Yeah. And getting digging so deep that she gets back out there and finishes the speech, mm-hmm. which she a, did do, which is amazing. And you know, not a lot of downtime for you as an actor. There's not a lot of like, and then this is the quiet part of the scene. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, you got to be all all in all the time. Yeah. Well, yeah. To- when we were when we were scheduling the days, we're like, and Amy will just <laughs> she'll just be here. <laughs> she'll just, she Amy gets no rest. So, so Jessica, what was important to you to convey through, through this piece? Like you, there's anger that comes up about these stories, not, not being told and not being known. And I think, you know, we're going through a whole, many are going through a whole new awakening when it comes to black indigenous people of color and all the stories that we don't know, the, the terrible stories and the amazing, beautiful stories. And um, to me, it's, uh, it's so incredibly important to lift that veil in these ways. And so just knowing that this film was going to expose people to such an important figure in our history that they would otherwise, you know, that they haven't mean luckily you know we have filmmakers like martha that are putting this out there but you know we need a lot more right and so to know that i could be part of that was was definitely a a big piece um i think you know i i also i wanted the film to feel as grand Mm. as inez was and also as as fragile and human as she was Mm. and so when planning um planning you know, how we were going to shoot this with our amazing Emmy Award winning photographer, Sherry Cock, um, who I met, also met through the women, uh, the WIMPs group, um, work, I've worked with her a couple of times in planning it. It was really important to me that when Inez was on stage, we had this just like really grand dramatic experience. This just you know, where it was just so sort of rich and you just got lost in the world. But then I wanted to have these moments that were really intimate and really raw and really human. Um, and so that was really important to me as well. And so I, I, I feel really proud of what, you know, the entire team, including Nipun, um, Amy's partner in life and work, um, was able to do with our sound Um our sound design and our score. I feel like we were able to do that. And so I'm, I'm really proud. Like that was, that was really important to me that we were able to show as many facets of Inez as possible in the storytelling, in the visual storytelling. What would you say was, is the biggest 
hurdle you had to overcome in directing this? Well, the personal hurdle is that I, I do deal with chronic health issues and chronic pain and making movies is stressful. Yeah. Okay. So you get it. And, and making Mm. movies is stressful, even if you're a meditation teacher, Mm. even if you start every day with a meditation on set, like it's, it's just stressful. It just is. And so there was, yeah. So there's a level of non-negotiable pain. So that was, that was challenging and it does limit what I say yes to. Um, Mm. And it also makes what I say yes to really, really important to me and Mm. like really just very valuable, worth it. Um, So personally that um, as far as like the, 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 you know, on set, the project itself, I mean, we, we, we ran into challenges. We lost multiple makeup artists and makeup (sighs) and hair was a really important piece of this. That was very challenging. And Um, so many costumes. Mm. That, you know what, that Elle Mizell, um, she is amazing. And she just, I don't even like, I feel like she was like an angel that just like came in and just gave us everything we could possibly need when it came to wardrobe. It was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a lot in a, you know, a short amount of time with hard outs. We, we definitely had some miracles. I will tell you that me and the AD, um, we actually did have a prayer circle at one point. We literally, um, Daryl and I, um, I said, he's like, how you doing? And I'm like visibly like freaked out. He's like, how you doing? I'm like, I think I need to pray. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, okay. And he used to actually a praying man. Like I'm not, I mean, I love <laughs> prayer, like, but not in like necessarily a Christian way, but he's like, all right. And he just like put his arm around me. He started like praying to Jesus. And I was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> and um and you know what there was a miracle I found out later how that miracle actually transpired and, and what the what actually happened but we got one well what is that like wait a minute you can't just say there was a miracle and then like leave us hanging so our day we were running very very long which happens, you know, um, but can't happen when you have a, when you have a heart out and our heart out was based on sound. There was going to be a dance party downstairs. That's a problem. Um, and so we were running up against that and these were going to be some really quiet scenes we needed to shoot. And I, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I was like, well, we're going to, I guess we're going to be doing a bunch of ADR. I I didn't know. Like I was like, we're going to some, somehow this is going to work. And we never heard the music. We never wow. heard the dancing. We never heard an, a sound. It was quiet. And I found out later there was a technical issue that caused that. But like, I was just like, thank you, Lord. Like, this is wow. like amazing. Wow. So yeah, it was, it really was a miracle as far as independent filmmaking goes. Cause yes. it would have been, would have been a real challenge. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm. Well, and just on a, on a medical note, um, I was stunned, Amy, when you had the line of saying she was doing, you know, she's doing all the things she's supposed to be doing. She's taking her strychnine and her arsenic. And I was like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The good doctors. Oh my God. And <laughs> Martha probably knows more. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, she was diagnosed with, with acute tonsillitis before starting a 50 city tour that was 50 plus because even at stops she was having yeah. speeches on the back of the train um it's very presidential of her mm. yeah yeah right, right. 
But I just, I wonder if she would have actually survived if she hadn't been treated with poisons. Or and had had her tonsils taken out before. I mean, who knows? She was already exhausted and had, uh, they were about to discover that autoimmune diseases are a thing. Okay. So um, I think they knew she was anemic, but they didn't really understand um, that that she was that had pernicious anemia, which is like a hmm. whole another level. Um, and then she also had like something was going on in her teeth, and she and because of the tonsils, she just was basically dripping Ugh. us into her throat the whole time. You know, like she was just her yeah. body was riddled with poison. She was um, septic. Oh yeah. God. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Goodness. But she would rally. She would yeah. rally to it. And she was somebody who um, had a pattern of going all out and then just like collapsing and retreating and being super, super self-indulgent or going off to the party scene in London and Paris for a whole season or, you know, which was then a source of shame and guilt for her. And then she would uh. go work herself to death. And then, you know, so she had this um already this kind of guilt of like i'm not doing enough add that to women are weak women give up women faint all of those things mm-hmm. that, you know the ideas the ideology at the time that she was working against um well because we do that, that right like we have we have that like i can't show any weakness because that's what's expected of me as a woman so if i show it then i'm like that's i still have that yeah I kept my illnesses pretty close to the chest for quite some time. And you know what? Honestly, now that I am public about it, I have lost opportunities as a result. People have seen it as like, oh, you're, you know, I'm not going to depend on you or whatever that is. And that's never Mm -hmm. been the case. But, and I've also had people love me and embrace me and work with me and, you know, allow that part of me to be invited as well. But yeah, it's, it is, you know, showing that weakness. And I think that's humans in general, actually, but I think certainly as women, there's a, there's a whole other aspect of it, but Mm -hmm. yeah, that's why I'm so open about it now. I'm just like, look, like it's, you don't need, you're not a failure because you're sick. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think it's a lot more common than people want to admit. I wanted to just sort of bring, you know, tie this all together. Martha, what were you most surprised to learn in all of your work with her? Uh, Or or what do you want people, what do you think people should know about her? That I also wanted to say that I totally appreciated Jessica and Amy's portrayal of her as being close to melodramatic, but not melodramatic. It's in the modern, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with melodrama except that if it, it, it would have been more in the style of 1916 rather than it. And, and that's why it's so contemporary. It's so close to the, mm. to that, that it, it is a real, it's, it's not overpoweringly tragic. It's realistically tragic. Mm. And it has, it, it doesn't have that, oh, weepy kind of thing to it. There's no, there's no weeping in, in Inez at all. I mean, yes. she's, she would never weep. Uh, and, uh, so, so part of it is, is, is the way she, Inez and Amy integrated the, uh, a new concept of, uh, dignity and persistence, uh, with, uh, the fact that you were going to get beaten down after, uh, all of those rejections, all, all of the things that, 
that happened that she could she could keep going and never wanted to be a quitter. And uh, Alice Paul wrote uh, when she was sick in the hospital dying, she said, oh, come on, Inez, let's buck up, go on to uh, Arizona. And, and because they just thought she could do everything, you know, wow. um, and, and Alice had Paul had no idea about it. But uh, and, and I'm sure she would have uh, Inez would have done it if she could. So there's there's something about uh, the difference between the martyr, the martyr and um, the, the the person who is assassinated. I mean, she t chose to do this trip no matter what. Mm. And that's uh, and that's even though she knew that she would could possibly die. Uh, and wow. she knew that from Chicago on, I think. Mm. Well, thank you, Jessica. What 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 were you most surprised to learn about her? What do you what do you wish people knew about her? Well, what comes to mind? Two things come to mind. One is her sexuality. I guess I just have this idea that like I I had the you know this idea that like any time past this before the '60s like that couldn't happen. You know, and I know that's not true, but like reading about her open marriage was was. I found, you know, personally found really exciting and surprising, but also um, the doubt she had in herself, you mm -hmm. know, the self-doubt that oh, came up, mm -hmm. um, I think is really important because we do yeah. get this idea mm -hmm. that these like strong women, um, you know, who are doing so much and are doing all the things and are making the difference in the world that they don't doubt themselves and that they're, that they, that they know their worth every day. Um, mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily the case, you know, and sometimes when you're in, yeah, when you're in a position of, of being a model in that way to others, it can be very lonely because people think that you've got it all together. Yeah. And um, so it, I really thought it was important to learn about, you know, in reading, in reading her biography that, that she had a lot of doubt and that she struggled with that and that she struggled with, um, you know, identity and that she struggled with self-worth and, um, I, I, I wish she didn't, and I totally relate to it. And I think it's important to know that, you know, even even amazing women like Inez Mulholland struggle with that. Yeah, yeah that's incredibly relatable because who among us doesn't struggle with that? Mm -hmm. Amy, what about you? Well, all that and more. <laughs> uh, also two things. One, I was really grateful to learn that she was one of the first members of the NAACP. Yes. Her father was one of the founding members and the first treasurer, um, you know, at a time when there, it, that was not the case for everybody. There was a lot of racism, even in this movement of- Oh my God. Equality. Yes. Mm -hmm. that, that blew my mind when I learned that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that she kept honing her craft and learning. And when you hear, you know, when you read some of the writings her letters during that last trip even when she was so sick that she was like really learning working every time she did a speech she was feeling into that moment mm. and what can she add here and oh yeah I think I really got this thing and um you know didn't quite get that but but the next time I'll I'll get this and um I really really respect that mm -hmm. yeah and I I you know all of the people that who we look up to who make whatever they do look easy mm. are working so hard. So hard. Mm. It's the ducks, yeah. ducks on the yeah. pond. Yeah. yeah, and with that passion that, that sometimes doesn't feel like work, sometimes it gets to feel like play too, but that, that um, 
that effort and that dedication and that love is totally evident. That's wonderful. I, I have had some experiences recently, I'd say like in the last five or 10 years, even after I started learning about the, suff- the suffragettes in England, at just where I've been amazed at the apathy that I've noticed in, in women, especially younger women here in America about voting, I've been told, you know, all the, what does it matter? Who cares? Oh, my life is fine. I'm not interested in politics, all those things. And I'm just sitting there going like, I, I, I want to simultaneously smack you across the face and also hug you, young girl, because like women died, women mm-hmm. suffered and died for the, the fact that you now have this right and that, that you don't cherish it just breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. So what would you most want? What do you most want women, girls, anyone who can vote? What, what do you want them to take away from both of your films? Not only do we stand on the shoulders of these these suffragists, but also um, that I, I really believe that a full democracy involves all people and that women haven't been given a chance uh, uh, to see what we can do with the mess that has been made. Uh, and I, 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 I love feminist values. I think the suffragists, would, no matter what, they felt that they were entitled to those uh, an equal uh, place at the table, and let, I mean, women, we gotta, we gotta try it. We gotta do it. We gotta, we gotta honor our, our, um, I don't know, spirit as well as our visions. I love that, Jessica. I will just say, please vote. <laughs> Fair please enough. Vote. <laughs> be willing to be to educate yourself and to to honor everything that came before. Yeah. to give you what you have today. I think that's so important because it's not, it's, it's seeing yourself not just as you, but as a, as a link in a continuum. Yeah. We don't have to look at it as a chore. You know, this is exciting. It's, yeah. it's exciting. It's thrilling to be a part of change and a part of making things better for, for those around you and engaging in your community. And, you know, I watch these films, whether they're documentary or live action, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's exciting. Yeah. Well, I think also as filmmakers and storytellers, we are naturally people who want our voices heard. Yeah. That's why we do this. Yeah. And so voting is just a natural extension of like, I here's my voice. Listen. Mm-hmm. Carlo did put in the chat the irony of, of Woodrow Wilson is that when he became ill, his wife practically ran his administration for the last year and a half. And so we have had a woman president. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first. Thank you so much. Thank you all for, for being here and for being part of this. I really appreciate it. Amy, thank you for answering my call when I was like, did anyone know about this and can talk to me about it? Absolutely. And I, I do want to say there are so many women of all colors yes. who are so inspiring to get yes. to know. I'm really excited to, that this is the tip of the iceberg for the stories that we're going to bring out and I'm uh you know there are people doing the work and making incredible films and sharing this history so um you know dive in the National Women's History Alliance is a great place there are documentaries mm-hmm. um Ida B Wells, Maybelle Pinghua Lee, Redbird, so many women to get to know and people of all genders. Yes. So mm-hmm. it's it's fun, it's inspiring and exciting to get to see who we get to look up to and stand with. Yes. 
That's a, that would be yeah. a great kind of like, who's, who's your next inspiring figure that you want to talk about or film about? Currently we're, um, what's next Amy? Series so that, um, so that, you know, each, each season gets to dive into another woman's story and, and create cool. a patchwork telling of the suffrage movement. I'm really excited mm-hmm. about that. I'm also diving into um, Zelda Fitzgerald. Ooh, so, I'm all, I'm also interested in what happens to to anyone who's involved up to their eyeballs in an issue in in crusading. What what happens to them after, for example, after the vote? In this case, um, uh, if if we just trace some of them, obviously the the African American women had to go on and and get. Uh, in the South had to get more rights to vote. Mm. But some some of the women went insane. Some of the women, uh, like Lucy Burns, ret- left left the National Women's Party, went to Brooklyn, got uh, couldn't got married, but she wasn't really married. She ended up uh, raising her sister's two children, but she never did anything more with issues. Uh, wow. Then Carrie Chapman Cat goes off and finds founds the, the League of Women Voters and the International Women's. Uh, 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 Peace and Freedom Act there. So so it depends on what happens, but sometimes people just exhaust themselves and they yeah. don't want to have anything more to do with it. And others just jump on the next train that's going down. Alice Paul in 1923 uh, put the uh, ERA out um, and went and got two law degrees to be able to, to pen that and to get it into Congress. Um, so it's it's so interesting what happens when we're all uh, ignited around a cause, and then what what happens to that? What happens mm. to that energy? And and I think most of most people turn most most of these women turned it into some kind of a spiritual adventure. Hmm. Uh, they wrote about it. They they shared it with their their young people, even if they didn't go back out into the trenches. Wow. I hadn't thought about that. What's what do you do the day after the yeah. day after the win? What do you do? Well, we, we think about 2016. What did we do? Well, we went. We marched. Uh, we yeah. marched uh, in Washington, to, and uh, uh, that energy has not stopped. No, it I has mean, not. We it has not stopped whatsoever. If anything, we're even more angry now. Yeah, <laughs> and the women are more. Uh, carefully spoken they're better spoken there mm. uh i heard uh, alicia garza 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 yeah the the black lives matter woman boy does she have a command of what her mission is in life um strengthened by the the, the defeats strengthened mm-hmm. by the tragedies we're all learning we're constantly learning at a much higher level i feel yeah, like faster yeah, and faster absolutely. right mm. jessica what's next for you well um I've got a, a short that we just released called Listen, which I mentioned that Amy yes. stars in, which you can see on Vimeo and YouTube. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough film. Big, big trigger warning on that. But uh, that's that's out in the world now. And I have a sci-fi feature that I produced and acted in um, that's called The Tangle, which is going to be um, which is going to be released through um, Indie Rights very soon. And, um, yeah, and then some different acting projects and then, you know, continuing to find my way into connection with what Amy is doing, because I think of her as a, as a creative soulmate. So Mm, I'm sure that the two of us will be, will be collaborating in one way or another in the future as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. We've got, (laughs) we've got a lot more to do. Very cool. Um, I also have a feature coming out, Grace and Grit. 
that um, nice. yeah, we just did a screening for distributors, so we'll see what happens there. And we got dis distribution for Into Light, yes. so we're uh, yeah aiming to get that on as wide of platforms as possible. Wonderful. I can tell you guys that next, on my next, we're obviously taking next Tuesday off for obvious reasons. Um, but the uh, Tuesday after that, I'm speaking with Sarah Moshman, who's also oh, yeah. a member of WIMPs, yeah. um, about her documentary, Nevertheless. Nevertheless and yeah. yes, and, and her new book about mm. documentary filmmaking. So um, that should be really fun. And besides this, we have Free Writers Lunch Zoom right here every Wednesday from 12 to 1.30 or so. And our next round of screenwriting classes uh, it starts up in January. We have concept to pages for your idea all the way through to, to first draft, as well as um, writing is rewriting for if you have a draft already and you want to do it better. Um, we've got all that stuff. So um, that's page craft writing. And uh, I just want to thank you guys all so much for being here. This has been thank such a wonderful Thank you for having time. us. Yay. You're so <laughs> inspiring. I love your work. I'm just proud to have you on my little podcast. So thank, thank you. you. Thank Heidi. you for having us. Next time on Hearthside Salons, when Rebecca Field left her small town in the Berkshires for Hollywood, she knew one thing. She was going to be an actor no matter what. After more than a decade of working steadily in your favorite films and shows, she worked opposite Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born. No big deal. Just another job in the track of a woman focused on her goal. We'll talk balance, craft, and stardom. Special thanks to our graphic and sonic designer, Joel Harris. Our theme music is by Lachey Swing. For more on our script coaching, online concept to pages screenwriting courses, and writing retreats in Italy, again someday, or to be part of our live recording audience, visit us at pagecraftwriting.com, at pagecraftwriting on Instagram, and at pagecraftwrite on Twitter. I'm Heidi from Pagecraft. Thanks for listening and stay well.